Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. On today's show, I love this dude, although he didn't show up for the cold plunge uh, when, we, when we, were in, uh, we were out in Sundance. We, we did a, a financial mastermind out there, and him and I were talking, and he's got a, a, a behemoth of a brother, and we were chatting it up, and I was like, hey, man, uh, we looked outside. It was cold. It was like one degree, and I was like, you know, and I was trying to act like I was cool, and I wanted to make some good friends, and I wanted to impress my new friend, Kurt. And I was like, hey, man, let's go cold plunge. And he's like, oh, I do cold plunges all the time. I said, cool, let's meet in the morning. What time are we meeting? Six o'clock. I said, okay. Woke my butt up six o'clock in the morning. I was so, it was so cold. It was one degree. All of you out there listening, I want you to think about one degree outside. What are you doing? You're sleeping. You got a sleeping bag. You, you know, you're, you're by the fire, whatever it is. My butt was out in a robe from the hotel, out by the, uh, this, this uh, little pond, one degree, and I'm waiting. And I don't see Kurt. And I'm like, oh, good. Kurt doesn't show up. I'm so glad because I ain't going in this water. And then I walk into the gym. My other buddy's like, what are you doing up this early? What are you doing? He's like, are you going to work out with me? I was like, heck no, I'm not working out with you. I was supposed to do the cold plunge with Kurt and his brother. And uh, he's like, I'm doing it with you. So we walk out. I'm going to say it again, one degree. We walk out and we jump in this water. I've never been so damn cold in my life. My body was burning. It was the craziest thing that, I mean, it was amazing. And we had, we had a good time. We went all the way under the whole nine. And then uh, here comes Kurt into the, uh, into the meeting the next day, and, or that, later on that day. And he looked at me and he was all warm. I was still cold. And he was like, oh, man, I didn't know that you really meant it. I really meant it, Kurt, because I wanted to be your friend. But I'm, I'm excited because, you know, for me, that, that type of connection point with people is what my whole life has been about. It's been about uh, being kind to people, contributing to every single person, making a ton of friends, and then just staying curious about what they do. And as I got to know Kurt, uh, you know, it was great because I got to know him before I got to know what he did. He's an authority in real estate. He's the guy, he's the go-to in, in real estate, especially in the, uh, in the Arizona market. This guy is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, his heart, like, it, it, just, it just comes through, and you're going to see this. It comes through the screen. It comes through your, your headphones, and you're just going to want to hang out with him, although you're not going to want to go on a cold plunge because he's not going to show up. So uh, please welcome to the show the, the real estate authority, Mr. Kurt Nasowitz, and I said it right. made up for it the next day the next day i went in and i sent you a video of me in there and man if i had known you were really gonna be there i would have been there 30 minutes early <laughs> so um yeah man uh funny 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 times and uh really happy that that we connected how now how cold was it for you i mean because it was burning my body yeah so when i usually do it i'm inside like uh, like an, uh, inside an area right like i'm inside actually like the cold plunge is inside so you don't have the one degree weather outside um but usually I, when i go it's 40 to 40 degree water so i don't really know what it was in utah but the water actually seemed a little bit warmer when you were in the water than, than outside oh my gosh this i mean it was crazy man i i was i kept telling people it was like 40 below in the water they were like kelly that would have been ice i was like you don't understand i was on uh what, what and is it uh is it Mars that has cold, uh, cold water, or is it another planet? 
Do you know? Didn't you say you had an icicle on your dread? Oh, I did. I had icicles on my dread immediately and on my beard. I have the video. You have to check my Instagram uh, for it. It was it was incredible. Um, the thing that uh, the thing that stuck out with me uh, for me with you and with your brother um, was the relatability. Because a lot of times when people are high flying and, and doing what they do, um, especially like in the real estate game, uh, which everyone wants to get into, um, everyone wants to know about, everyone's an expert at it. <laughs> if, even if they've read like one article, they're an expert. Um, but the thing that was amazing is you're obviously a master at your craft, but you connect with people um, on a cellular level. You, you, have, you take the time and you really make people feel important. Um, where did this come from, Kurt? And like, you know, did, was it your parents beating it into you? Um, or was this just something that was natural? I think it was just natural. You know, I, um, whenever I meet people, I'm more curious about, about them than, you know, than anything that I have to say. And it comes from a genuine place. You know, I, I want to get to know what the other person's like. I'm, I'm curious what they can teach me or what they've been through. So it's not something that I even really am aware that I'm doing. It, it kind of just comes through naturally, you know. And I think that's why we connected, Kelly, because I noticed that from you right off the bat. I was like, wait, why are you asking me so many questions about me? I'm usually the one asking all the questions about, about you, <laughs> you know. Well, and, and help us to understand this too because I think one of the biggest components uh, as far as like in the real estate game, right, is resilience. And I think this is a muscle that most people don't realize, number one, that they even have. Um, if they understand that they have it, they don't know how to build it. Um, they don't know how to work it and they don't realize how important it is to every single bit of business. And let's, let's define that resilience right off the bat. Resilience is nothing more than the ability to snap back into your natural form. Meaning you get smacked upside the head, Kurt, right? In real estate, you get smacked upside the head. The deal doesn't work. It goes sideways. You lose the, uh, you know, you lose the investor, you lose the money, whatever it is. And then you're able to snap back into, I'm Kurt, I'm here, and I'm going to continue to serve you. Where, where did you discover resilience, and then how have you been able to uh, work that muscle as you've gone along? You know, I think when I, ha- when I become resilient just from having goals that are they're big, they're bigger than, than what the problem is in front of me. I've always kind of been able to zoom out and kind of see the big picture. You know, when I first got started in real estate, like, the first year was brutal. I didn't have a lot of success at all, but I knew that every single day I was getting better at what I was doing, and I was learning more skills, and that, you know, if I zoomed out in three, four, five years, it wouldn't really matter. So, I guess I just, I learned that it's just a part of the process, you know, the ups and downs. So what would you say like right now, because we're in a, we're in a, we're in that weird kind of space, right? As far as like the real estate side, everything like that, we're seeing that, you know, interest rates are rising. Uh, they're talking recession. We're, we're already in it from everybody. Every, all, all, all my financial friends are like, it's already there. Um, what, what things are you, would you say for the, the, the person who maybe doesn't understand real estate, but to get prepared for in these next six months, because you get to see it, you see it, you're, you're on the inside. So what are three kind of actionable things that a person could do to kind of get themselves prepared as they come along in these next six months? Yeah, I mean, if you're just like an average investor, I would say um, to, to wait a little bit, to wait for good opportunities and just to be more conservative with 
how you're buying and valuating property, um, the past like few years were just so heavily inflated. Uh, where there was so much money pumped into the economy that like the prices just weren't making a whole lot of sense. So, I mean, still historically, we're at like pretty low inventory rates, uh, especially for, for Phoenix. Um, but I would say just there's going to be some good opportunities. So what I'm doing is is I'm building up building up capital and basically only taking on properties now that make a whole lot of sense. That I'm basically either stealing or um, that you know just has enough equity in it to make sense. So really, what I'm doing is just kind of uh, waiting and seeing. What's helped you to, to understand the long game? Because this is a thing that I noticed in you right away, like your relationship with your brother. Like it was probably, I mean, it was such a cool thing to see the way that you and your brother rea- uh, like interact. And I, I realized from those things and watching, I, I was always watching people. And I could see that, I could see the love that you had for your brother. I could see that you weren't about quick, fast um, hustling, grinding kind of relationships. It was like I saw, I watched Kurt, and he was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to people, but every time I have a conversation, it's going to be intentional. It's actually going to mean something, right? So number one, where did that come from? And then two, how does that fare in, in, in your business as you move forward? Because a lot of people are like, if you do that, then you're going to leave money on the table. And my side is like, if you're negotiating, you always need to leave money on the table. That way the person has money to be able to invest with you again. <laughs> So who taught you that? Like, it was it was it your parents talking to you about it? Was that was that something that was where they having conscious conversations? Because I've had these with my daughter. My daughter's thirteen years old, yeah. and um, you know she, she's sometimes she's been hanging out with someone, and I'm like, you know what, baby? I mean, I don't want to tell you not to hang out with them because that's going to cause you to hang out with them. But I just start asking her questions, right? And so, I mean, what was your parents' style? Was it was it super disciplined? Was it, uh, you know, was it kind of do your own thing and kind of figure it out? It was, it was more do, do your own thing and figure it out. My parents were, were super, uh, you know, they, they were kind of hands-off. They let me figure it out myself, and, um, and I'm grateful for that. So take me to uh, the relationship with your brother, because this one, again, like when I talk about it, I can't, I can't say it enough, man. I mean, seeing you guys together, and it was, uh, it's funny because if you can – if you can imagine Kurt's brother, like Kurt's brother is like, like Thor. Um, I, I swear I made a couple jokes and I thought he was going to strangle me. Um, but the, the bond between brothers is a big thing for me because me and my brother are best friends. 
And um, I think that a lot of times I'll, I'll meet people and I'll ask them about their brothers, their sisters, and they'll, they'll be like, yeah, you know, they live here, they live there. Do you hang out? No, nah, I mean, not that much. And I saw this crazy bond with you and your bro. Like, you know, and it's just this, this mutual respect, right? Um, I could see that you were proud of him. He's your little brother. And I could see that you were proud of him. I could see that he was thirsting for you to be proud of him which I am the same way with my brother. Talk to us a little bit about you guys' relationship growing up and then how it's blossomed as, you, as you've gone along. Man, I've always been really, really close with my brother. Uh, it started off, obviously, as we attended church together. And, you know, I'm three and a half years older than him, so I always knew that he looked up, looked up to me. And I wanted to always set a good example for him. So, you know, early on it was like we used to play football together. I was uh, showing how to work out and then he went like crazy with that and I'm super into working out and super big but um, that that trip in particular uh, was something that I wanted to do for a long long time uh, because I had kind of really changed when I moved to Arizona um, and he was like you know kind of always curious what I'm doing what what's been working and I just wanted to basically expose him to some of the things that had helped me become the person that I am so always been conscious of trying to set a good example for him because I know he really looked up to me. What is the most important thing to you as a big brother that your little brother does? And I'll, I'll put it in context here. Yeah. I'm a little brother. My brother could call me at any time. I'll answer the phone anytime. He'll give me a hard time because I'll be like, no, you don't. Um, <laughs> but he could call me at any time. And it will just light up my day. He doesn't have, he could just tell me he's proud of me and it'll take me to a whole different place in my life. He'll call me and be like, yo, uh, great job on X. And I'll be like, really? It doesn't matter. Like, I mean, I swear to you, Kurt, like I could have, I could have Derek Henry call me. You all out there listening know that I'm a Titans fan. Yeah, I could have Derek Henry call me and be like, yo, Kelly, you're the man. And I'll be like, cool, thanks, Derek. And I'd get off the phone, and my brother would call me and be like, yo, you're the man. I'd be like, yes, and I would just run through a wall. So that, for me, is something that, that is so valuable from a big brother, from a little brother's perspective coming to a big brother. Like, call me, text me, tell me that you're proud of me. Tell me, what, is, what, is the, what is the thing that, that, that you thirst for the most as a big brother coming from your little brother? Obviously, I want to make sure that I'm a good role model for my kids. But once I believe that I am, it's actually listening to kids and asking them some of the advice or some of the guidance that I give them. And really, just being, when Max asks me what I want or what I should, what he should be doing, I'm able to just, you know, tell him from from an open-hearted place. So I would say, um, Now, when you, when you guys are, uh, have you guys always been connected? Have you guys always been, like, boys, you know, from the, from the very get-go? Were you guys super competitive? Um, did you, we used to whoop up on him when you were, uh, when he was younger? And I did. did. you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when he was much smaller, we, I was just always, like, wanted the best out of him. So, I would, I wouldn't hold back because I was his older brother, you know, I would just go as hard as I could. And, uh, 
and he would, um, you know, he would gain a lot from that. And I remember even when he went to college and played football, he would bring up the fact that, like, you know, oh, Kurt was so hard on me, da da da. But it turned out that I, it was good because I, you know, became a good football player now. And so I never took it easy on him. You know, I, I just tried to get the best out of him. Talk to us too about, uh, you know, being hard on somebody else. A lot of times you're hard on yourself, right? And Talk to us about how that has helped and, and translated into your business, right? Because we were just talking about it yesterday. I was talking with a friend, and I was saying that I have some, uh, a lot of friends that come from the Mormon faith, and they, uh, they went on missions. And in their mission for two years, they knocked on the door and got the door slammed in their face for two years. People yell at them or not want to talk to them and things like that. It wasn't all that way, but it was a lot of it. And right what it created was the resilience and the, the perseverance to work through. And they were like, I, I've already heard no, so I'm good. Talk to us about those things and how you've translated them into your business um, that you learned maybe from sports or from growing up in your relationship with your brother. Yeah. Um, you're going to get no. I mean, that's just, that's just part of it. And, you know, when I, grew, when I was growing up, I played uh, three or four different sports. So it was, it was waking up early and, and working out and uh, having, um, you know, training at like five in the morning. So early on, it just taught discipline. But I think eventually you realize that if you want to get to what you want, like you're going to have to deal with a lot of adversity. You're going to be told no. You know, people are going to laugh at what you think of. But it doesn't matter because as long as you believe in them, then, you know, that's, that's what's going to push you forward. What opportunities are you seeing right now uh, in, in the climate that we're in right now and the changes, right? So, again, like a, a friend of mine, we were just talking this morning, and I was saying that uh, for me, I see an opportunity in, 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 w, in W2 businesses. And he was like, well, what do you mean? And I said, because everybody right now is talking about being an entrepreneur, and not everybody can be an entrepreneur, yeah. right? Not everybody got the stomach for it. You got the stomach for it when you got the cash flow. But when you ain't got the cash flow – a lot of times, I mean, the, the rubber hits the road and the person's like, ah, I mean, this isn't as sexy as what I thought it was, right? Yeah. So what I'm seeing is as we're moving forward, and I talked about this at the, uh, you know, at the Money Multiplier, I said, you know, in the coming years, I see that, you know, W-2 businesses where people were saying before, I got to just be my own boss, I got to work in it, that you're going to see a resurgence of this. You're going to see a renaissance of service because there's no service right now, Right. People are constantly apologizing. We don't have enough people to be able to serve you. Therefore, that's why you get bad service. No, no, no. I could tell you this. The reason why we get bad service, Kurt, is because that person who is giving you the service has chose not to give you good service. It's not because there's not enough of you. Because even if there's one of you, you can still give good service. So for me, I see that opportunity. In your space, in the real estate space, what type of opportunities are we seeing right now that if we're prepared for then we can, you know, uh, we could have a lot of advantages. Mm, love it. So one thing that I'm preparing for is, I mean, the past two years we've had historically low interest rates, like 2 3%, which is just unheard of. And, um, you know, all, right now all the way up to 5 6%. I think it's 5.3 actually. But um, I think learning creative finance and basically being able to take over those loans that are at 2 to 3%, in the next five to ten years will uh, be like free money because you're never going to see interest rates that low again. And with how high inflation's going, it's almost like it's free money. 
so one thing I'm preparing for is really honing my skills on creative financing and basically buying properties and targeting properties that have these super low interest rates and just taking over the market. So uh, that's one thing that you know I'm really focused on in real estate. And to compound on what you said, I have one of my friends who's a, a swimming pool builder, and he could not be any more busy. Like there is such a shortage in the trades right now. So I mean, if, if you're looking to to get into plumbing, electrical, or any of the trades, I mean, it's a good time. How are you feeling about your uh, uh, Arizona sports right now? Well, I'm from Connecticut originally, so I actually only moved out here four years ago. So I'm a, like. A so you're, and so you're not claiming you're not claiming your Arizona time. I, I mean, I'm like they're like my second. I have to root for them a little bit out here. Can we can we talk can we talk about your can we talk about your East Coast? Can we talk about your Boston Celtics? Are you a Boston fan? New York Knicks. New York. Oh, good lord. That's going to be a short conversation there, Kurt. I know, man. Knicks, Mets, Jets, not a, not a whole lot of uh, Wow. But you're you're optimistic. Do you Okay, let me ask this because my buddy Colin is a uh, he's a very optimistic person, but he's a Jets fan. Yeah. How much of your optimism and your 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 optimism in life has come from being a Jets fan because you have to be optimistic as a Jets fan. You know what I'm saying? Like you you yeah. you got to be in that place. Has that helped you? It's it's definitely helped me because I'm a loyal fan even though they suck. So <laughs> no matter how bad they are, I'm just like this is my team. I'm rolling with them. I don't have any optimism towards the Jets. I just know being part of being a fan is basically rooting for a loser. But that's cool. I'm cool with it. You know, we had a good draft this year, so. <laughs> what what about your what about your Knicks? Were you excited about uh, Brunson coming, and did you think that there was some tampering with it? I'm excited about the Knicks. You know, honestly, I haven't kept too too much up with the with sports um, since I came out to Arizona. You know, I had a big shift in my life uh, four years ago when I moved out here, and kind of took away some bad habits. And you know, um, as far as sports goes, yeah, I mean, I hope the Knicks get back into the playoffs, but. Uh, to be honest, I'm not really too too well versed in what's been going on recently. Talk to us. I, I know you alluded to it, man. So you had a shift four years ago, like uh, you know, uh, for everyone out there listening. I think everyone out there listening probably had uh, two years ago. They all had a shift. <laughs> um, you know, they they had those kind of things. Uh, my my wife and I seem to have a shift every like year and a half, two years. Um, we, we get some bomb dropped on us, or you know, we get kicked in the teeth, or whatever it is. I think that people, more, more people are, uh, are going to be um, inspired, Kurt, not by your authority in real estate, but more about the, the challenges that you've been able to overcome. So, you know, four years ago, you know, moving across the country, that's a major thing. Um, but there were some major things that happened before that or, ha uh, you know, help, help that to be able to transpire and that you were able to work through. Can you talk to us about those things? All I knew were my friends and my dad, like, working, you know, backbreaking work. And that's kind of what I viewed as, you know, work, really. And um, I just, you know, I did a whole lot of stuff that I really didn't want to do, that I didn't choose to do. It was kind of just more brought brought up on me, you know, basically just doing what my community is doing and just following suit. So I just kind of realized when I was, like, 26. 27 that 
I didn't really choose anything that I had going into that year. Um, so 2018, 2017, I decided that I wanted to move. I needed a fresh start. I needed to kind of change my surroundings. And, uh, you know, while I was thinking about it, it was hard because my whole family's back east. And I had a girlfriend at the time. I had a job, pretty good job considering. And I remember just wanting to really move to Arizona. And one, one moment in particular stood out to me. And that was when I was talking to my neighbor, who um, was just a regular, like, Tuesday. Met with him, told him that I was thinking about moving to Arizona, that I wasn't sure. And he looked at me, like, in the eyes. I still remember, like, the look in his face, but just tears coming to his eyes. And he just said, you know, Kurt, I wish I knew this guy 10 miles away, but if you want to move to Arizona, you should do it. And um, that that was like a, a really a life-altering, pivotal moment that I just saw the amount of regret in his, eye, in his eyes, and I didn't want that, you know, later on. But right then and there, I knew I was going to move. So uh, 2018, I packed up my, my car and drove all the way to Arizona by myself. So talk to us, too, because, I mean, becoming a um – an entrepreneur, right? This is what we talked about earlier, and I want to dig into this part of it because the shiny part of being an entrepreneur nowadays is like, oh, if you, uh, you know, if you don't like your boss, you just need to start your own company and be an entrepreneur, right? Can you talk to us about the dirty, the nasty, the part that people don't talk about? Because we hear it on social media. We hear it everywhere. It's like, no, don't work for anybody. Be your own boss. Make your own schedule. And then, Kurt, can you tell us the real story? <laughs> more that goes into it i mean you're taking on like literally i had to learn every single aspect of my business before i was able to delegate and move it and what i think a lot of people don't see is the cost that it, it takes to actually run a business and all the stuff that you do behind the scenes you know it's not sexy having a 60 80 amex bill that you gotta pay every month um <laughs> That's a lot of the stuff that people don't see. And, you know, just trying to plug all these pieces into play. And the kind of what I've realized in business is nothing's ever going to be, like, done and completely perfect. It's, everything's always changing. People are changing. Their moods change. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's just a lo- whole lot of stress that goes into it that I wasn't, wasn't always aware of. So if you were to – hey, Kurt, if you were able to go back, right? If you were able to go back. Or let's say – let's not even go back. Let's just, let's just take that 25-year-old kid, bright-eyed, that's about to start in. Tell them the first three things that they should do to start their business that you wish you would have known and put in play. Yeah. Really good question. For one, I would have hired a coach or mentor sooner. I would have paid for a couple different kinds of little that's probably the first thing I would have done. Um, the second thing, which I did, was figure out what it is you want to do, what business you're really passionate about, because it's not just what you do every day. Then it's not going to work. It's just stuff that you have control over and control how. Um, and then another thing would would probably be hire quicker. I was a little bit slow to hire people. I did a lot of the low-level jobs for longer than I should have. What was some of the low-level jobs that you did that, that you were like, I would much rather be, you know, I'd much rather be superhero Kurt 
in what Kurt does, right? So what were some of those things, man? Yeah, I mean, just to name a few, cold calling. So I would, like, cold call a gigantic list of the full information of homeowners in Phoenix. And I would basically just cold call random people all day long. And then I realized that I could pay a virtual assistant $3 an hour to do that. And I thought, damn, that's a, that's a $3 an hour activity that I'm doing. Um, so that was one, that was one thing. Just like going to Home Depot, picking up supplies, um, ordering insurance for the properties that we buy, um, what else, ordering hard money, um, just kind of more admin stuff, I would say, is a lot of the low-level tasks I did, and then just, you know, cleaning the office after it was done, filling up the water jug, I would do maintenance, right? Then I realized, okay, I have a service you can pay for to get that taken care of. But, um, yeah, just to name a few, I mean, those are, those are some of the, the low-level tasks that I was able to delegate out and just honestly just be happier working. So, Kurt, help me, too, because I think uh, vocabulary and vernacular are, are things that if you know them in the industry, you have the tendency to get a little further. I made a joke when we were there in, uh, in Sundance, and I was talking about arbitrage, and I got really intimidated yeah. by that word, right? And when I, just because I heard a person say it and they were in the financial world and I thought, wow, they're really smart because they said arbitrage. I don't know what the word means. Then I Googled it and it was just like the difference between two numbers. It wasn't, it was just addition and subtraction, right? It was easy, right? And once I learned it, then I was able to speak in that realm. Can you talk to us about some vocabulary and vernacular that, you know, that the common person that maybe isn't in the real estate game or maybe they're thinking of uh, dipping their toes into the investing, that they should understand these words and can you let us know what those words mean? Because, uh, I mean, even in the financial literacy world that I'm in, um, you know, in the financial literacy world, a lot of times people want to make financial literacy so complicated so people will have to rely. And once you realize that it's pretty simple, like, take in money and spend less than what you take in and then put away some of the money. Or I say it like a cycle like this. Do what you love, make money, keep the money. When you keep the money, you get to keep doing what you love, then make the money, keep the money, and then do what you love and then make the money, keep the money. And it's a cycle, right? It's pretty simple. But I didn't know this because I didn't know the words. What are some of the words and, you know, vocabulary and vernacular that, that a person can verse themselves on? Because I think that, Am I correct on this? Every single person out there that's listening should be invested at some place in real estate. Absolutely. I think it's the greatest investment that you can make. I have uh, quite a few rentals now, and it's like every single month, whether I work or I don't work, I'm getting passive income. So um, a few words that you should know in real estate or ones that I didn't know when I got started. Um, I come up from the fix and flip world, so they have what's called the ARV, and that stands for after repair value. And what that's telling you is what you can sell the house for after it's renovated and fixed up. Another, another term would be um, you know, earnest money. So when you go to buy a house and you put earnest money down, which is essentially just a deposit, a deposit of $1,000 that says I'm going to be buying this house. Um, some other vocabulary... I learned about what a hard money loan was, and that really uh, that really changed changed things for me. That's basically just using somebody else's money and getting a loan not in your name. It's basically uh, for against the asset, so they're loaning against the asset that you're buying instead of 
basically underwriting vehicle purchase. Uh, so a lot of the loans that I get now, they don't look into the news, they don't pull my credit score, they just look at the property I'm buying and the price I'm buying it for, and based on that, they'll give me an interest only loan. So if you hear the term hard money loan, that's basically just a loan to fix a service object. Stop right there. Because I think I, I, could, I could hear the listeners out there that are like, hold on, because you just took us down a road. And, and what I love about it is you're an absolute genius. And that's why, I, was, I mean, that's why when you have questions about real estate and real estate investing, that's why you need to go to Kurt. But you just made it sound so simple. And you were like, yeah, yeah it's just, I, okay, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Um, one of my friends said that uh, she was a Paul Mitchell distributor, Paul Mitchell products. Mitchell distributor. Friend, uh, uh, a cousin comes over to her house, goes in the bathroom, comes back out running, so excited. She's like, oh my gosh, I just used this on my hair. What's that? And she shows the bottle. And my friend who owns the Paul Mitchell distributorship, who's around Paul Mitchell all the time, who's constantly selling Paul Mitchell, and it's just everywhere in her house, everywhere in her life, she's like, oh, that, that's just Paul Mitchell. And her cousin was like, you are such a brat. Because you are so spoiled. Because to you, it's just Paul Mitchell. To me, it's the greatest thing that I've ever touched in my entire life. Okay? So we're, we're going to, we're rewinding real quick, Kurt, because you just went into hard money. And you said, you can get a loan and someone not check your credit? I mean, take us through, take us through this. Like if I'm a four-year-old and you needed to explain, maybe five years old. They're a five-year-old. Take us through this part of it because I think a lot of times people don't realize the things that are available to them just because they don't understand the words. And write it down if you're listening out there. Hard money. Yeah. So, like, a lot of the properties that Pete Booker, Fire, that we buy are not livable. I mean, I had a house where half of the house burned down and it was leaning over. So you're not going to be able to get Basically, if I were to run down what a hard money loan is, it's they are lending up to a certain amount of what the house is worth to you. And it doesn't matter who it is that's ever actually getting the loan because they're protected by the house itself. Perfect example, right? You get a house that is worth 350000 You buy it for two hundred. You're going to get a loan for the full two hundred because they know even if you default or disappear or go somewhere, they can just take the house over from you and sell it and make money. So mm. in its simplest form, it's just it's just a loan based on an asset, not I love these kind of things, Kurt, because again, it's just something that is in your world and you understand and you go through, but I think a lot of times there's such a huge barrier, right? There's such a huge barrier because of sometimes it's environmental, sometimes it's uh, because of the people that we hang with. Um, how important, you talked about a coach, right, and having coaches and things like that. How important has it been for you putting yourself around different people to help your, uh, your perspective to be able to, you know, widen or, or expand, the five people you spend the most time with. And, uh, you know, the conversations that I'm having with 
people that I'm around sound crazy to the to the people that I'm I grew up with. Um, so I always try to stay around positive people. I don't like to be around people that are gossiping and talking about other people. I try not to really bring anybody up negative stuff ever. So that's kind of a one one thing that I look for. And then I always try to find somebody who's on the same mission as me. So we have the same future together. It's not that we share some path, right? So I still have friends like that. But the people that I surround myself with daily, we're, we're building and growing something together. We have a, a shared future. And when you just surround yourself with people like that, even when you're having a bad day, they pick you up. So it, it's just, there's so much to that. So Kurt, who do you let, who do you let in to be able to see the other side, right? Because, you know, to the, when you're, when you're in the investing world, when you're in the real estate, especially flying at the levels that you are, you know, you have to, not that you, you have to put on a face, you don't have to do that, but you know, you're staying positive, all those things. Who do you allow in to be able to see the Kurt when maybe he's down a little bit? Yeah. I mean, family and friends, that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. People that I've known for my whole life. And, you know, when I came to Arizona, I, I only had like one friend that moved previously out here. So I kind of have my, my whole little world out here. And then when I fly back home to Connecticut, um, you know, those people have known me, you know, much longer. But when they come back, they always say, you know, you've changed so much. You've changed so much. And, you know, I take pride in that because you put it that way. Um, but if I have anything to, you know, be vulnerable about, it's my two or three closest friends out here or my family and, and friends back home. So, Kurt, I was just talking with a friend, uh, I believe it was yesterday, and she was asking me, you know, about business, things like that. And we were talking about it, and I said, honestly, if I was to go back and I was to do it again, which I don't want to because I'm really excited about the things that, that have already happened, so I want to live now. But I said, if I did go back, the first thing that I would do when I started a business, I would be, even before I did anything, I would have started a podcast. And um, she was like, a pod, why would you do that? And I said, honestly, like for so long as a business, I waited for other people to validate the maybe the information and, I, and she goes what do you mean validate and I said well if I got written up an article written up on me in the newspaper but you're waiting on those things right, right. and I said you know at, with a with a podcast you know number one you can interview amazing people be around great people and they could bring so much wisdom to you and the other part is you can really you know you don't have to wait till <laughs> tell you, you know, so somebody writes an article about you, that would have been like the first thing, right, um, that I would have done as far as operationally. Now, the, the other thing that I was very fortunate to do is, is get a hold of an accountant. Like a, I, I paid more for my accountant than, uh, you know, mo most people did. But they set me up in a way that, you know, was where I wanted to go. Um, and I look at it now and I'm like, man, you know, if there, there was a couple of things, um, you know, for me, in starting a business that would have been, would have meant so much. If you were to look back now, right, we're, we'll go back, or even a kid that's sitting in front of you that's about to start, those, what, what things would you tell them to get in order that, that aren't the shiny things, that aren't the, you know, exciting things that you would say, like, I was just talking with a girl today, and she's uh, doing, um, her name is Akila. so if Akila, if you're listening out there, I would love you, and she, we were talking about her avatar, like, figure out and find out who your ultimate guest is, where they live, what they look like, 
um, where they hang out, and then go hang out in those places, and guess what you'll attract? That person. Um, I wish I would have understood it, but I didn't. What are the things that Kurt wishes that he would have understood? When I first got started, I really didn't know like what that term carried and what success in life meant. I wasn't like really good at it. So I think like before you start, get clear on like what it's all for. Like what does your life look like five, ten years down the road? Um, and that way you have a barometer to kind of base how well you're doing. Um, so that and then also like just realizing that there's – there's so many ups and downs in, in business and trying not to get too high or too low. You know, you're never as good as you think you are and things are never as bad as what you think that they are. So what I try to do is basically stay pretty balanced on the emotional scale. When things are really good, I'm not too high. And when things go super bad, you know, I try not to get too down about it. So Kurt, what, I, I think this is the billion dollar question. Like, what do you do to recover when you get kicked in the face? Yeah, I try to remind myself of previous wins. I tell myself that it's it's a part of the journey, you know, um, because it is. Without without losses, I mean, wins aren't as sweet. So I just I just do it. I try not to sulk over it. I get over it very quickly, which took time. I mean, honestly, it took time. When I first got started in real estate. And it's really profitable. I would feel sorry for myself, you know, you know, poor me, and sulk on it. But now I just realize that it's it's part of the journey. It's part of business. I look at I look back at all the great things that I've done already, and know that there's a whole lot more great coming. So that's that's kind of how I deal with that. So early on, Kurt, what what was the biggest fattest lie you told to yourself when you started in your business? And I'll give you I'll give you an example, right? And because for, for me, start, starting in the professional beauty industry when I did, I was 19 years old. I didn't know anything. Uh, I, had, I had a job at Kentucky Fried Chicken before that. And, uh, and I remember, like, cutting some woman's hair, and it was jacked up. And I knew it was jacked up. Like, it was bad. It was real bad. And the lie that I told to, the lie that I told to myself was, she's crazy. Like, it, it, don't even worry about it, Kelly. She's just crazy. So what was, the, what was the biggest, fattest lie you told to yourself and now you look back at it and you giggle and laugh because you know you're a lion? Yeah, uh, that I'm going to get super rich super quick in real estate. That was the biggest lie that I told myself. And that if I got into real estate and worked hard for four or five years that I would never have to work again. That uh, is also uh, a lie. Um, but yeah, I mean, really the goal through, through real estate for me is to build up enough rentals to where I don't have to make decisions every single day for money. If the money comes, great, you know, but I don't want to have to live every single day hunting for money. So that's why every time I get a, a rental or add to the passive uh, income box, I'm just one step closer to basically living to where I don't have to, to make decisions about money. I can just do what I feel is right for me. How have you been able to, because it, it seems like, and this is a, a big thing that, that helped me to want to be more of your friend, 
was you seem to look past the deal and into the relationship, right? And so, I mean, take us through that because, I mean, there's there's a lot of times in this world, man, where people get blinded by the the transaction, man. And there's a guy named um, Jim DiGiulio. Uh, he actually is the owner of uh, uh, Volvo, what is it, um, Finley Volvo Las Vegas. And yep. this guy, honestly, he owns a car lot, and he's told me no, not to buy his cars more than he's told me to buy his cars. Because, and seriously, he's done this with me. He's done this with my, with my, my dad. But... And, and it's crazy because he does it, and I'm like, every person that I talk to, I'm telling them, you need to go see Jim. It's going across the screen right now. Finley Volvo Cars uh, LV.com. That's where you need to buy your car because this is a guy who actually tell you not to buy something if it's not the best thing for you. How, how do you do that, Kurt? Because I've watched you do it. I've watched you interact with people, and you're never deal first. It was always just about them. You were always constantly asking them questions. You know, you were connected that way. Well, to me, the relationships are just worth so much more. There's so much more fulfilling than the money. I mean, once you realize that, like, you can make money pretty easily and there's a multitude of – there's an abundance of money out there. But good, good relationships are, are super rare, especially, you know, with people that are on similar uh, wavelengths as you. I just – it's just way more, way more important in life to me, you know, and I realize it's a lot rarer to have good relationships with people than to just worry about the money or the money or the people. It seems silly to me. What advice would you have for people out there that are starting off on their entrepreneurial journey, um, or even, even if they're not in that realm, um, that they are an employee of a company. And I want to shout out to every single person who's an employee of a company because I'm, I'm telling you, like, not every single person, like, it's not, shy, like, Kurt and I both tell you, we'll tell you, we'll plead with you. Owning your own business isn't just making your own schedule, doing what you want, making the agenda. It's not, you know, and I want to shout out all those people who are employees of companies and who have had longevity because, Honestly, like, I just think that it's an amazing thing, and I think it, 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 it helps this economy to tick. Yeah, absolutely. But what advice would you, what advice would you have, um, you know, for those, uh, you know, whether it be entrepreneurs or the, the people that are, um, uh, you know, employees of companies, um, what advice would you have for them when it comes to that, you know, as far as the relationship side and looking long-term and helping them. I mean, how, how would you convince me? Because most of the time we live in a, a society where people want results right now. They want it, pop it in the microwave for a minute and then pull it out. And, and then they're watching and they're seeing, hey, well, if I take the slow route, Kurt, like you're talking about with the relationship, I'm watching Joe Blow, you know, just crush things. This is the, the word of today. Like I'm crushing this. How, how do you convince me if I'm sitting in that place to slow it down and focus on the relationship, man? Well, I think it starts with really truly believing that there's an abundance of money. I think that's step one, is realizing that money's not this scarce thing. It's not this thing that is supposed to be cherished and held onto and hoarded. You know, money is a tool. It's there in my life whenever I need it, and it's there in your life whenever you need it. 
kind of just be able to have that mindset at a later point. Uh, so I think that's that's step one. And then once you get over the fact that you need money, you stop basically making decisions based upon that. You can really value relationships more, which in the long run, I want you don't because if you have all the money in the world, but you don't have fulfilling relationships, uh, it's not a it's not a good value. Um, and it you know it took me experience. I had to go through. I had to go through basically getting money to realize that it wasn't all that I thought it was. Um, because when you're broke and you don't have money, you feel terrible. It takes all your time and you change your life. And you know, once you get money, it's like, yeah, that's it's kind of soft. It's the money's fine. <laughs> I still have all these other these other issues. And uh, you know, I have I have friends that I've I've had for thirty years, literally my whole entire life. So um, that to me is 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 worth so much more than any paycheck. What was the biggest um, surprise to you? Because, uh, you know, I, I, I think that we probably went through some similar things where I, when there, when money was scarce, then I was like, man, all I need is this much a year. And if I could get that, everything would be cool, man. Like, and then I would hear people would be like, yo, and I would hear people say that the relationship part, they'd be like, no, it's about the relationship. And I'll be like, obviously you ain't broke right now. Because if you were broke, then you would think that, uh, I mean, maybe I'll trade in a couple of these friends. You know what I'm saying? I'm like uh, like the Brooklyn Nets right now. I'm going to trade in KD and try and get somebody else, which KD doesn't need to go to the Warriors, by the way, if you're out there listening and you're a dub fan. He doesn't need to go to the Warriors. Because, um, I mean, he don't, we don't need him. We don't need him. Stay wherever you're at, but we don't need you. The sun, oh. Yeah, but they, they're saying that they want, they said, they're saying that they want D Booker. You know what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't make any sense. You you trade up Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is going to be a good piece inside together with someone, but he's you can't build around him. It already, we already showed that. You know what I'm saying? That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I got off on the KD thing. Um, where was I? We were, yeah, what were we talking about? Um, oh, you were about to bring up how relationships – Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, 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 I remember that happening in my life as far as like, I want to be the first one. I want to be the first one to show that, you know, maybe it is about money. And then I, I started, it started flowing and I was like, yeah, I still got the same problems that I did before, except I just got more, I've just got more of this thing that generally causes a lot of the challenges that, that go about. So what what was the what was the most shocking thing for you that you thought would be solved with money that wasn't solved with money and you were like oh my gosh like do you can you recall a specific time or a thing um, I can yeah um, I remember like when I was pretty broke and I first moved out here I don't know I had like maybe a couple thousand in my in my bank account and I was faced with the deal that I was going to take the most expensive route and I remember like checking my bank account, like, waiting for the wire to come in or to, like, hit my account. And I'd wake up in the morning and I'd refresh the phone and it wouldn't be there. And I'd refresh the phone and it wouldn't be there. And then, boom, all of a sudden it was there and I had 30-something thousand in my checking account. It was more than I ever had. And I, like, felt really good for, like, 30 seconds. I put my phone back in my pocket and I realized nothing has changed. And that's when I realized it's really just a number in your phone. It's really just a it's a, it's a made-up thing, right? Um, 
So that was that was an immediate an immediate lesson. It really doesn't change how you feel about things. You have to work on on that. That has nothing to do with it. So Kurt, the whole reason why I started the podcast, man, is because of my kids. Right. And Maddox and McKenna. And uh, I don't know if you've got a chance to see any videos of my son, but if you if you if if you're out there and you're listening or Kurt, you know, you you if you're you've been riding with me on uh, social media and things like that, you see my son. He's a he's just hilarious, man. Like last night he was all about s'mores. S'mores was like the biggest thing in his life. I got home. He's like, Daddy, we're going to do s'mores. I said, yes. He said, we're going to go to uh, to the store and get some Reese's. And we're going to use them as the chocolate. And that's the best s'more right there. And we did the, the Reese's on there and melt the marshmallow, put it on top. It was perfect s'more. It's amazing. He's excited about everything. He's a superhero. McKenna, 13 years old, amazing young lady, amazing artist, heartfelt. I think she's going to be a phenomenal actress. Um, but I started the podcast because... I wanted to show both of them, Maddox and McKenna, that iconic people like yourself weren't superheroes, that they were just human beings and they had great attitudes and had phenomenal work ethic. And if they, you continue to do the right thing for the right reasons, the right things turn out. And so what advice would you have for Maddox and McKenna? And if you could use both of their names, it would be awesome. Wow. Maddox, McKenna, make sure you make decisions for yourself in life. Figure out what it is that you truly want in life and go for it. Don't don't try to make your dad happy. Don't try to make society happy. Do what really truly makes you happy and figure out what that looks like, what your life looks like, and, and go for that. Kurt, I want to tell you that you have been absolutely phenomenal today, man. It has been an absolute pleasure. This is the time when I want to thank all our sponsors. I didn't say I'm at first, but uh, I, I want to thank you. I want to thank every single person out there uh, that's been listening and been riding with us since the beginning of the podcast. Helped us to be, uh, get in the top 1% globally, uh, but also with our sponsors, we couldn't have done it without you. Uh, we've got Michael Mina. Michael Mina, greatest restaurants in the whole entire world and even better human being. Patrick Hummel is the president of that company, and this guy, they're changing the culinary world. If you haven't got a chance to experience a Michael Mina restaurant, you need to go and you need to check it out. It's, it's on a completely other level. Samaritan's Feet. Samaritan's Feet, Manny a homie. He started off with no shoes. He's put shoes on over 10 million people because he knew what it felt like to not have uh, uh, shoes on his feet. Um, Cardenas Law Group. Cardenas Law Group, uh, boutique law group in, in Las Vegas. And honestly, it's the greatest in the world to have the best in the world in your corner exactly when you need them. Um, and with squeeze dried, squeeze dried, uh, for those of you who have a challenge, uh, getting your vegetables, getting your fruits, uh, in, uh, every single day, all you have to do is open up the little pack is a little stick. You drop it in your water. You got all of that and it's squeeze dried. It makes your life so very, 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 very simple. Finley Volvo cars of Las Vegas. I talked to, uh, quickly about him, uh, you know, before, and it was, uh, I was talking about Jim DiGiulio. Jim DiGiulio is all about relationship before transaction. And if you're going to buy a car, um, I tell you, there is no other place on earth that I would tell you to go buy a car than Finley Volvo of Las Vegas. This guy is absolutely phenomenal. The last one, guys, is Solo. Uh, for those of you out there who are, um, you know, whether you're a social media influencer, um, you are a, uh, you know, just a, any type of business person, 
Solo, solo.to. This, uh, I hope I said the website right, but Solo is amazing. It's a one link that gives you, that's for all of your links. And for me, before I was sending out 50,000 links to every single person for the podcast, for books, for all these things. And what I realized was all I needed was one and it was Solo and it made everything there. And I want to thank I want to thank you guys. I, I want to make sure that you check out uh, the sponsors, check out uh, those those people. And um, Kurt, I want to thank you so much, man, for being on the podcast. Like it's who you are. I mean, it seriously it lifts me up, man. When I saw you, uh, like right when we got on the call today, it's like you know seeing you and and you brighten up the world, man. And um, I, I thank you so much. I, I know we're gonna have the link uh, so people can get a hold of you in the in the bio. Um, before we go, um, your legacy, like, how do you want people to remember Kurt? I want, I want people to remember me as somebody that really shaped my life, that lived super intentionally, and that was able to make something out of himself and be someone that was a role model. Well, Kurt, I think you've already accomplished that, man. I mean, you're you're an incredible, dude. You're you're an awesome, awesome individual. And not only that, but I, I love seeing masters at their craft. And then I like to know who they are. Uh, I like to know who they are before I like to know what they do. But I mean, honestly, if if who you are is any indication of what you're going to accomplish, um, ain't nothing to worry about in your career, man. You you got it. So. Dude, I, I want to thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank you for being on the show. I want to thank you for, for being here, and I can't wait to have you back. I'm excited to see you at the hideout uh, September 23rd through the 25th. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun too, man. we got some surprises for you coming, um, yeah. which will be cool. Uh, but thank you again, brother. I appreciate you, and you're officially off the hot seat. <laughs>